Welcome to Healthy Choices with your host, Ray Solano from Austin, Texas. We're ready for your calls right now. Call in toll-free at 877-956-9566. Now, here's your host, Ray Solano. Well, hello there, and welcome to Healthy Choices, XM Broadcasting Live from Austin, Texas. Welcome back. I'm your host, Ray Solano, clinical pharmacist and board-certified clinical nutritionist. We're here to answer your questions about your health today and how to make responsible choices that we feel that can change your life. As you may have heard our promotions for this week, our headlines for today's show is, Are you, are you sick of politics or is politics making you sick? We're going to be surprised what the answer is. Our guest today is going to be physicians from Progressive Medical Centers, and the topic today is going to be a new approach to heart health as we continue to celebrate Heart Healthy Month in a few moments. Uh, We asked the question, is politics making you sick? Well, the answer is yes, emphatically yes. Some are calling it election stress disorder. Other ones are using headline stress disorders. But the bottom line, we're experiencing as a population, we've done this before, is the effects of constant stress. Unfortunately, it's causing an elevated cortisol. And this is a hormone that is a stress hormone. Well, what does this do to your body? Matter what political parties you or have been uh, following or concerned about, it still boils down to your brain sees it as stress. And this cortisol, this hormone, has this cascade of effects. What happens is in your brain, portion of your brain, small area called the hypothalamus, is important for your survival. It sends off an alarm signals in your body that causing your adrenal glands, those little glands on top of your kidneys, to send off these hormones, adrenaline and cortisol, as a response to the stress. And it could be for anything, but unfortunately, when you have it constant, your body continually produces these hormones. Well, cortisol has a regulatory effect to control your stress response, so you just don't go berserk every five minutes but it also controls your blood pressure it regulates your immune system and regulates proper insulin levels too much also affects your neurotransmitters serotonin and dopamine these control your pleasure and happy centers whether you're depressed or happy or whether you have the ability to uh, get on with your day so these important neurotransmitters are connected to release of cortisol. Also, they can affect your heart. It can eventually cause high blood pressure and heart disease. So can politics make you sick? Yes. Can it give you heart disease? Well, maybe on top of other things, it can give you some heart disease. But it's important to realize that you may be sensitive to overexposure of politics that may be making you sick. So what can you do about it? Well, we're going to fill you in on the survival guide to 
political stress syndrome later on in the show. But the step one is to acknowledge that it is a problem and you may have to, believe it or not, avoid it for seven days. Try it sometime. Try three days of avoiding all politics, avoiding all headlines. And you may be be breathing easier or better. You may not have, you may sleep a little better because this is also a side effect. You may, but your blood pressure may change a little bit. Your digestion may improve. High levels of cortisol can take energy away from your gastrointestinal tract and the enzymes needed to digest food which reduces the amount of minerals and nutrients. So stress does influence digestion. Mood swings, this dopamine production, as we talked about, can make people irritable, depressed, anxious. Does this sound familiar? Also can raise, like you said, we talked about blood pressure. Too much stress can cause high blood pressure. Sleep problems. Cortisol production is supposed to be naturally high in the early morning when you wake up and supposed to tail off at the end of the day. Unfortunately, sometimes when it goes opposite, we have a problem in sleep. Problems occur. Weight gain. If you get cravings for sweets, carbohydrates, after seeing headlines or, or politics on television... I think you may be having a problem because you get a chance to eat very, very high sugary foods to be able to calm things down. So aches and pains. Some people have been noted to lose some hair. So this is a very powerful reaction. That's why we wanted to make a comment today because we feel that we have to identify the things in our life that are causing us to have stress. There are certain nutrients that we're going to go into the later half of this hour of what you need to be able to take to offset some of those a tremendous amount of hormones that are being pushed into your system and to nourish certain glands. And we're going to come up with a some, some interesting recipes and some diet things or nutrients putting in your diet or foods putting in your diet that will support your adrenal glands and it'll support your liver and be able to support pancreas. So, you know, let food be thy medicine is something that's important. So let's go ahead and Sean, let's go ahead and start our, our tape. We're going to interviewing Dr. Gaz Agoli talking about heart health. You're listening to Healthy Choices XM. Our phone number is toll-free is 877-956-9566. And anytime during this, you could text us your questions at 512-219-0724. Or you can check out our website, Healthy Choices XM, and for podcasts or our previous shows. Now we're on iTunes. Very popular. We have a very popular following on iTunes, but... Show, go on our website, register for an email. We have some special promotions for people that give us your email and sign up to our newsletter on HealthyChoicesXM.com. Sean, let's go ahead and get our pre-recorded interview with Dr. Gaza Goli from Progressive Medical Centers talking about your heart health. Sean? We're going to be educating you on heart disease, heart 
Awareness Month. And, you know, it's, it's staggering statistics as I was pulling up this research uh, before we got on the show that the CDC has been pr- reporting for years and years on heart disease. And, you know, sadly, you know, we, we're doing better on awareness, but we're not really doing better on the numbers because each year, according to the Centers for Disease Control, um, heart disease is the leading cause of death in the United States. I mean, the leading cause, cancer second. So more than over 600,000 Americans uh, lose their life of heart disease each year. That's one in every four deaths in this country. What I want everybody to understand, the term heart disease refers to several types of heart condition. This is where the confusion lies. The most common type of heart disease is coronary artery disease. And we want to we're going to educate you on all the heart disease, but we're going to focus on coronary heart disease, which can cause a heart attack. Other kinds of heart disease may involve the valves in the heart or the heart may not pump well and cause heart failure. That's congestive heart failure. And some individuals are born with that particular disease. So the big question is this. Here's the big question. Are you at risk? So here's the answer to that question. Everybody's at risk, including children, can develop heart disease. So here's where the big debate is. You have a group of physicians that believe that when a substance called plaque builds up in your arteries, when this happens, your arteries can narrow over time, reducing blood flow. So, so here's the interesting point. This is where we have a faction of doctors that believe in just combating the plaque with using these statin medications solves the problem. So it's interesting that heart disease has not gone down statistically since we started using statins because it's not just about the cholesterol. We're going to talk about that. There's so many other factors, smoking, eating unhealthy diets, not getting enough exercise, may all increase the risk. But here's the key now. Here's the key. We now know through research from a functional integrated perspective that inflammation in the endothelia actually will exacerbate the potential for cardiovascular disease. We have had reports that individuals with lower cholesterol, below 150, which in itself we're going to challenge as being unhealthy, that have a heart attack. Now, how is that possible? So we're going to tackle this very, very interesting topic because I think it's so important to understand that the heart disease awareness we're talking about really is vascular disease, vessel disease that ultimately will arrest your heart, which is not a good thing because we need that heart to be pumping consistently to allow blood flow, oxygen, nutrients throughout the entire body. And this is what really keeps our life going. And the organ of the heart is so important. We haven't believed that it's, it's, you know, there's so many important organs of the body, but the brain, obviously the central control system, and the heart basically controls the entire vascular system, which ultimately leads to uh, a, a good, healthy life. So some of the signs and symptoms that you have to be aware, with, uh, aware of about when you're possibly having a heart attack uh, number one, chest discomfort is one of the major signs. Someone having a heart attack may experience several symptoms, including chest pain or discomfort that doesn't go away after a few minutes, pain or discomfort in the jaw, neck, or back, weakness, lightheadedness, nausea, feeling sick to your stomach, or extreme cold sweats, pain or discomfort in arms or shoulders, and shortness of breath. Now, this is very important. If you think you or someone you know is having a heart attack, Call 911. Better safe to be sorry. Do not allow these symptoms to uh, just 
not make a big deal about it. If you think it, just call 911. All right, Dr. Bet, let's, um, let's get into this very interesting topic because I feel that um, Heart Disease Awareness Month is, is, is a very good topic to talk about. So I want to talk a, a little bit about, and I want to focus on vascular disease. Mm-hmm. So can we talk a little bit about your viewpoint on some of the major contributors, the root, root cause of cardiovascular disease as opposed to just cholesterol because, unfortunately, a lot of physicians just stop there. And we know now, and I'm not criticizing these physicians. This is research done 30, 40 years ago. We now know now there's other key indicators. Let's, let's start from that, from that point. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that one, uh, one study that comes to mind was a study that was uh, shared on Medscape. And this study talked about that uh, people that go to their once-a-year year, once uh, clinical visits, that go to see their doc once a year for a wellness visit, they don't live any longer than those who don't do that. And I think that that has zero to do with the physicians that they're seeing and much more to do with how we are analyzing things, what lab work we're looking at, and we're really missing the mark there. Like Dr. Goley said, it's very common to measure cholesterol, and people are very familiar with that. However, there are many markers that are 10 times, 15, 17 times more predictive for heart disease than cholesterol, and yet they're still not being analyzed or looked at. And in fact, we might even say that we're moving the wrong direction with cholesterol because uh, 20 years ago, 240 was considered normal, then 220, now 200. But what you see in addition to that is you see the bottom range, which used to be 140 to 200, now dropping to zero to 200. Well, that's really unfortunate because low cholesterol is actually incompatible with life. If it got down to a zero, you wouldn't be alive. And so part of the problem are the, the, the lab values that we're looking at and the ranges that we're looking at them within. And then from there, another issue is that it's just the way that standard of care is set up. This standard of care is set up on average so that you get seven minutes with a physician. Do you know what is more effective than a statin medication for lowering risk of heart disease? Having a normal BMI, being a normal body weight, being about the same body weight that you were in high school. How often does your physician talk to you about that? And even if they want to talk to you about that, how is that possible in seven minutes to assess what you're eating, how you're exercising, and then work with you on ways to make that better? Because ultimately... Those getting maintaining a normal body weight is far more effective than statin drugs. In fact, what the research says is that people that maintain a normal BMI are 70% less likely in their 80s to have conditions such as high blood pressure, such as high cholesterol, even diabetes. And, Dr. Bitt, I want to focus this segment on some of the newer testing uh, that you have uh, been researching, teaching about, Uh, that we've seen that made a difference. So I want to start right again on the word inflammation. Can you just give us, our listeners, a brief description on inflammation? How does that apply to heart disease? In addition to that, what markers should uh, our listeners ask their doctors to perform on them? Well, one of the most common markers for cardiovascular inflammation that's looked at is something called CRP, C-reactive protein. And C-reactive protein can come from other places and can have to do with other things besides heart disease. But that's also the beauty of it as well is that it gives us a lot of information about infl- uh, information about inflammation that could be coming from a number of different places in the body. 
So C-reactive protein, a marker of inflammation, is associated with an increased risk of heart disease. And, and a number, there are a number of reasons that it can go up. There's an inflammatory, what's called a cytokine called, called IL-6. And when that hits the liver, the liver begins to make the C-reactive protein. Well, that IL-6 can come from a number of places. One of the first places that will, things that will make IL-6 is actually bacteria in the gut that shouldn't be there. And so by measuring, doing a blood draw, you can look for something called LPS, lipopolysaccharide. And if that is elevated in your gut, you will make more of this IL-6. That will go to your liver. You'll make C-reactive protein. And this tells you that you're in an inflamed state that's associated with an increased risk of heart disease. However, bacteria in the gut is not the only thing that makes IL-6. Another big area for production of IL-6 is adipocytes or fat tissue. Fat tissue is not benign. Fat tissue is not just something that you have to carry around or that your heart works harder to get more blood to, and that's why it increases your risk of heart disease. That's part of the reason. But the other reason is that it's metabolically active. And that fat tissue makes that same IL-6 that bacteria does. That fat tissue can create just as much inflammation as, as an infection in your stomach can. And so now again, IL-6 goes to the liver. You make the C-reactive protein. And that's your marker that you're under an increase in inflammation. And that, and, and that is associated with an increased risk of heart disease. And so you can see, just because you have a C-reactive protein that's elevated uh, doesn't mean that you are done doing all the work yet. First of all, you work to bring inflammation. But if you hit a plateau, uh, then understanding from there that there are other things to look at becomes quite important. Your heart disease could be starting in your stomach. Your heart disease could be starting in your own fat tissue. Another reason that we make IL-6 is you can see more IL-6 when there's more toxic body burden, when we're exposed to more solvents or organophosphides, when we're exposed to chemicals in the environment. This, too, can create more inflammation and also result in an increase in IL-6. So not only will that go to the liver to make that C-reactive protein, but IL-6 does something else as well. Many of you have been taught that HDL, H, healthy cholesterol, LDL, lousy, bad cholesterol, that we want more of the good and we want less of the bad. And that's, that's true up to a point, but it turns out that really LDL is the almost bad cholesterol. If I were to take a microscope and look inside your vessel at a plaque, or if I was to take a needle and do a biopsy of a plaque in your artery, I wouldn't find LDL, the lousy cholesterol, what I would find would be oxidized LDL. So yes, it's easier for LDL to get oxidized. Yes, it's easier for LDL to be moved into a plaque, but it doesn't move into a plaque until that oxidation step happens. Well, what's oxidation? That's just a fancy way of saying free radical. So what that means is something has damaged the LDL and it's now oxidized. IL-6. So IL-6 is a marker of inflammation. And what does it do? It causes oxidation or it damages that LDL, that lousy cholesterol, or that, or that almost lousy cholesterol. So if that's the case, where does this IL-6 come from? 
Well, IL-6 might come from foods you're eating because if you're eating a food that you are sensitive to, it creates inflammation, and this can be a reason for IL-6, and that doesn't start or stop in the gut. Well, it starts in the gut, but it doesn't stop in the gut. That IL-6 is then absorbed and can damage that LDL and turn it into that plaque former. Another reason could be toxic body burden. In fact, uh, Joe Pizzerno, a, a very avid writer on toxicity and lecturing all over the country about that, has even speculated that a lot of the reason that, that men and women start to experience heart disease in their 50s is not exactly per se the aging, but at that point we've now accumulated so much toxic body burden that now we've reached a level that will damage the lipids and that can cause that oxidation infections but this doesn't mean that, that just the infections where you're walking around you know you have a cold or a flu but you could be harboring an infection again in your gut a bacteria even a parasite or a yeast that creates the, an inflammation locally that then contributes to this IL-6 these are the ways that we damage LDL to make it that true plaque former. And this is one of those markers that we really need to be looking at in terms of assessing heart disease. That is oxidized LDL because it's 17 times more predictive for heart disease than cholesterol itself. I want to emphasize 17 times more predictive. And a lot of primary care physicians that have not stood up in the current literature, and for that matter, cardiologists. You know, we've had some leading cardiologists that have been doing research. And so, you know, because we've done a... a, a the society's done a, a medical society has done a, a job on demonizing cholesterol. You need cholesterol. It's just the good amounts of cholesterol. And now that we've had this new research on oxidized LDL and oxidized cholesterol and lipids, we know that this is the major culprit that is leading to cardiovascular disease and ultimately a mitochondrial infarction, which is basically the number one reason why we're seeing all these premature heart deaths. So we have to do a better job on this screening and diagnostic testing and ultimately anything to do with inflammation. It's all about inflammation, 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 as we've mentioned time and time again. Uh, that's the gateway for cardiovascular diseases. You're listening to Healthy Choices XM. Your host, Ray Solana. We're here to take your questions today. On any of the topics we just spoke about, on your heart health or is stress from politics making you ill at 877-956-9566. We've got a few minutes before our break, and you can also text us at 512-219-0724. And as always, check out our website, healthychoicesxm.com, for podcasts for our shows and also some specials that we have on our products talking about specifically helping your heart be able to help you for screening. But also the important things is to understand how inflammation is a very big part of the difficulties that it puts on your heart muscles. This was what Dr. Burdett and Dr. Dr. Gazagoli were reviewing. Couple just as a couple of review topics that he just mentioned, talk about homocysteine or C-reactive protein, just CRP. Everybody knows their cholesterol numbers. They should know what their CRP numbers. That's an inflammatory marker that's very inexpensive to be able to ask for. In this homocysteine protein, tells us how much inflammation we have. And one of the things we mentioned is that fat tissue can have as much inflammation, source of inflammation, as an infection. 
being able to get this marker IL-6. So that's an interesting uh, part that you may, your fat tissue may be causing your, some of your heart disease is an interesting uh, comment. Or our phone number is 877-956-9566. And also you can text us at 512-219-0724. We're going to take a short break here and come back after us and talk a little bit more about our opening lines is, is politics making you sick or is is this really causing your problems for some of your sleep, some of your blood pressure problems? Well, the answer is yes, and we're going to give you some solutions how you can avoid that and come back with a little bit more of an interview with Dr. Gazagoli and Progressive Medical Center. 956-956. We'll talk to you after the break.
Let's talk about your healthy choices. We have room for you right now. Toll free at 877-956-9566. Well, welcome back to Healthy Choices. As we, Our topic today is talking about heart health. This is Heart Healthy Month, so it's important. We did a piece last week that really brought some attention to women, how susceptible they are to heart attacks, and over 50% of the women that suffer from a heart attack actually become, actually do not make it. And the fatality rate is over 50%. It's always 587,000 women a year get a heart attack. And that was an interesting statistic from last year. So now we're talking about heart health in a general sense. And people only know what their cholesterol numbers are as a generality and think that if they take a statin, then they will be just fine. There's probably nothing farther from the truth. It's important for people to understand these numbers mean something. And it's not cholesterol, which is a critical hormone, excuse me, a critical fat and a nutrient, You would, I would say, for building hormones and also for your brain health and also can be tied to longevity, low cholesterol, can be contributed to very sometimes difficult uh, areas of depression, schizophrenia. We also know that they have very low hormone levels. So it's really a marker that somebody has very low cholesterol. They, they are actually very ill as opposed to being very healthy. We've learned in this last, the first segment, that cholesterol that's oxidized or it has been uh, deranged, it's bad cholesterol, is, is a problem. And what causes oxidized LDL or L- oxidized cholesterol? Inflammation. So this is why we talked about this at the first part. Inflammatory substances that we eat or inflammation that your body gets, even from tremendous amounts of sugar or a little bit of sugar, causes inflammation. So inflammation has a part of oxidizing these cholesterol. We're going to come up with some tips on how to prevent that. And also, a big contributing factor to the heart health is stress as well. And so we talked about at the beginning of our show about politics, whether politics is making you sick. And the answer is to that is yes. So we're going to come back with some survival tips to reduce the stress in your your daily lives and to improve your heart health. And anytime during this broadcast, you can please text us at 512-219-0724. And you can also call us at 877-956-9566. We'll have some time at the after the end of our pre-record with Dr. Gazagoli at Progressive Medical Centers. And go over any of your questions about these topics or any other topics. Sean, let's go ahead and start back with our interview with uh, Dr. Gazagoli at Progressive Medical Centers. I want to get right into this segment on some contributing factors, which I think is very, very important to understand. And Dr. Burnett touched on this uh, a little bit in the previous segment at the beginning as well. There's no doubt that toxicity is all-time high, and we know that definitely contributes, especially to uh, cardiovascular diseases, because we know that all this, this cellular junk 
that's coming in from our environment, whether it's going to be a heavy metal toxicity, whether it's going to be a chronic infection, uh, just causes, uh, exacerbates the oxidized LDL component, which really is the key area that we're seeing. And I really believe that oxidized cholesterol in the blood, and it enters in, in various routes of the body, such as processed food, environmental pollutants, trauma, yeah, trauma, and infection. This is very important to understand. So if you go to your physician and, you know, you're complaining of chronic fatigue and you your doctor runs a cytomegalia virus or an Epstein-Barr virus and, and they have very, very high titers of, of something called IgG, which basically shows it's a chronic old exposure, but it's extremely high. And if your immune system's low, guess what? That could contribute. That's one of the areas that these viruses can go. I'm not saying that Epstein-Barr or or cytomegalovirus causes heart disease, it contributes to the vessels becoming oxidized. So indirectly it does. So ultimately your doctor probably say there's nothing you can do. True. We know that there's some great herbs and there's also some ways of raising your immune system, something as simple as using vitamin D and vitamin A in itself. But I want to mention that infections, a lot of people don't realize, doctor, but that infections can contribute to cardiovascular diseases. Absolutely. This is why anytime there's infl- anytime there's an infection, there's more inflammation. And so this is why we see other conditions of inflammation like rheumatoid arthritis have a higher incidence of cardiovascular disease or even lupus have a higher incidence of cardiovascular disease because they have more inflammation. And so since infections can even be contributing to conditions like RA and lupus, infections in and of themselves, of course, are going to create more inflammation and more of that IL-6 that we talked about. That's a something that the immune system uses to fight off invaders, but that fighting uh, creates essentially, uh, imagine like explosions and there's fallout damage from that. And that fallout damage is damaging your lipids, your LDL, so it gets put in a form that is easily taken up in plaques. Now, when we started this show, Dr. Agoli, uh, you started talking about uh, the vasculature vessels. And I think that this is a very important part to be mindful of because when we think heart disease, we think heart. And of course that's true, but it, it, the, uh, the, what the heart needs to do is to pump blood through the vasculature. And so it's both sides of the equation. You have to have healthy vessels. Healthy vessels is like having a healthy garden hose. Think about if you have an old, brittle garden hose and trying and how hard it is to move water through there. Now, put your thumb over the end of the garden hose. Does the water come out? Of course not, because of the pressure. Well, the thumb over the garden hose is like plaques inside the arteries. It, it, it's smaller and more narrow and more narrow, and so the heart has to pump harder and harder to move through that. But that is not the only thing that happens. When those vessels lose integrity, when you have less vessel health, another piece of cardiovascular disease sets in, which is you won't produce the right levels of gases. So one of the things that the inside of the vessel does, known as the endothelium, is it produces nitric oxide or a gas. And this gas tells the vessel to open up so that it's easy to move blood through there. So when there's lots of inflammation, when there are infections, when there are more free radicals, all of these travel through the blood as well, and they begin to damage and nick the vessel. 
And so one of the responses to that is the body says, I've got to heal this. I've got to, I've got to heal what's happening to this lining here. And one of the ways the body will heal that is to stick lipids around the inside of the vessel or fats, LDL, cholesterol. And this can be the beginning of why a plaque is born. So more inflammation, more infections, more free radicals, more endothelial damage. More endothelial damage, more plaque begins to be formed. More plaque, more narrowing of the artery space. And as the artery space narrows, blood pressure goes up. So keeping healthy vessels is is just as important as keeping your heart healthy. Of course, the two are interconnected and intertwined, and one will dictate how hard the other has to work. So understanding vascular integrity, making sure we're getting the right levels of of certain amino acids like arginine that tells the vessel to open up, making sure that we're getting right levels of different uh, flavonoids from oranges that also keep the inside of the vessel healthy. All of these things are useful and, and often quite underemployed strategies in terms of management of cardiovascular disease. If you have high blood pressure, think, has somebody talked to you about the health of your vessel? Possibly not. And this is where hypertension begins. Absolutely. And there's no doubt that stress increases free radical production and stimulates the adrenaline production, which causes platelet aggregation and thickening of the blood. Now, once again, anytime there's a short term situation is perfectly fine this is the body's mechanism of fight or flight we get it we're talking chronic where the body's chronically under the state of attack it's no wonder why we're seeing uh over 600,000 americans uh losing the battle of cardiovascular diseases because we are actually looking at the wrong direction we are only looking at lowering cholesterol when it's really strategizing against oxidized cholesterol remember oxidized cholesterol and your physician can now order it. Almost every laboratory in America offers this test. Now, I want to get back to this pollution um, that contributes to the oxidation of the blood. Uh, there's two chemicals specifically that had a lot of research, and one of them is called fluoride and chlorine, which are both found in our drinking water, which can affect the arteries, chlorine, and lower the thyroid function from the fluoride. Two very, very important areas. Believe it or not, having low thyroid function makes you susceptible to more heart disease, cardiovascular disease, because that metabolism is affected and can affect the body's ability to um, have the proper heart function because the heart is creating a tremendous amount of energy, and you have to have the metabolism working on all cylinders. Let, let's tie up the rest of the show. We know uh, we talked a little about some of the root causes. We know that oxidation is a huge cause. Um, we know that um, obesity contributes to that, not only because of the obesity, it's because of something called cytokines, adipokines, uh, that also um, will make a huge factor as well. Uh, we know that um, infections, uh, whether it's going to be a virus or bacteria, causes more inflammation. Uh, we know agents such as chlamydia and pneumonia have been shown to present in higher amounts in patients with coronary artery disease. Uh, inflammation is the number one contributor, in our opinion, and that's why it's important to measure C-reactive protein. Um, and, you know, we're looking at future predictive um, markers for cardiovascular disease as well. So all of these are very, very, very positive. You know, there, there's, there's obviously uh, smoking is a major uh, contributor, and that's something I believe that every person on this show has heard, but it's always important to understand that we should get on a smoking sensation program. Uh, a couple other areas that I want to 
to, to talk about risk factors for women, uh, now we're seeing that long-term birth control use um, has been shown to increase oxidized cholesterol levels. And obviously, we know it also affects uh, platelet aggregation as well, uh, which could lead to blood clotting. And if you add smoking to that, it's almost like the kiss of death. Um, Dr. Bitt, I know that you are, are heavily involved in research in women's health. And, you know, typically... We've seen it in the past that men were more at risk, but now we're seeing a lot of women at risk for heart disease as well, which is, is very, very concerning. Absolutely. We're catching up. I, I think that historically maybe uh, demands, uh, different types of demands based on gender led to different relationships with stress, but really um, that we're, seeing, we're, we're seeing equality in heart disease, probably because we have equality in terms of stress at this point too. So uh, don't think just because you're female that, you, that you're off the hook here. It is uh, absolutely one of the top killers for women now too. And so we need to be managing our stress response managing our nutrition, looking at cardiovascular markers, and understanding which ones are most important for us. So like that C-reactive protein I mentioned earlier, that's actually more uh, related to heart disease in women than in men. Also, if triglycerides are high in women, uh, we have more of a risk of stroke than men do. And so understanding some of these distinctions, but certainly understanding that we're at risk and that there are things that that we need to do to make sure that that we stay out of that risk category. Many of the things that were risk factors, uh, women weren't doing as much, um, smoking, drinking, working hard hours, et cetera, et cetera, and now really catching up in all those categories. So seeing similar risk response there too absolutely so we, we all know that and the last thing i want to talk about um is we've problems such as non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is, is a big issue and that's because of uh, our predisposed of uh, pre-diabetes and high glycemic foods so ultimately these are all risk factors for cardiovascular disease heart disease so I want to I want to finish up our last segment here on talking about some very unique strategies from a nutritional perspective, and we're going to go ahead and mention a few nutrients that that I feel will make a huge impact. And the first one I want to talk about uh, is CoQ10. Uh, CoQ10 is known as ubiquinone, which is in pretty much every part of cell of the body, uh, is an antioxidant known to strengthen the heart. Uh, coenzyme Q10 aids in energy production because it is one of the main components of the Krebs cycle, and many studies have shown that the therapeutic value of CoQ10 supplementation in core heart disease has been established and encouraged now. Even mainstream medicine has jumped on that bandwagon. Uh, CoQ10, uh, anywhere from 50 milligrams to 150 milligrams, uh, reduces the episodes of pulmonary edema and angina episodes uh, while decreasing hospitalizations and congestive heart failure. You're listening to Healthy Choices XM. We were just talking to Dr. Gazagolia from Progressive Medical Centers, talking about heart health and talking also about some of the factors that uh, cause inflammation. HealthyChoicesXM.com. Our phone numbers are 877-956-9566. Michelle from North Carolina, welcome to Healthy Choices. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, Michelle, Um, how can we help you today? I just saw the doctor and got my blood results back, and she said that I had the lowest cortisol level of anyone she's ever seen, 
Um, she said I had no progesterone, um, very low in vitamin D, and low DHEA. And I just was wondering what um, you recommended as, uh, you know, what I should do next, what's the next step, or what you thought about those test results. Well, that's a great question, Michelle, and I want to ask you a couple more questions because it's a lab test or just a window or a snapshot in the film of a person's health. Do you have any trouble getting up in the morning? No, and my and energy you, level is pretty decent. What type of job, what type of work do you do, Michelle? A stay-at-home mom. And do you I used to be a your, nurse, but... Used to be a nurse. Do you? How's your sleeping habits? You sleep well. Yes. Well, there's a couple things that uh, we we find. Cortisol should be higher in the morning, and lower in the evening. Did at one time in your life, did you have a very very stressful a period that went on for a period of time, or a very severe illness? Um, I mean, I I went through a divorce. Well, that for most people, one of our. Ago. Most of our listeners, that can be a very traumatic event. What we find for people that have low cholesterol, they may have low energy, or they may have the the ability that they just may, may sometimes may not be able to handle some of the uh, day-to-day stresses uh, of life. But it, it's important that you have your your cholesterol higher in the morning and lower in the evening. A flatline cholesterol is almost as bad as a over-the-top cholesterol. So it's important to, if your doctor says that you, if you do a, a blood test for cortisol, that sometimes is not reflective of exactly what's going on. A saliva test is the best way of measuring cortisol levels because it takes it over a period of time. You use saliva samples anywhere from four to eight times a day. Every couple of hours, you collect a saliva sample, send it into a lab. ZRT Labs is one is a, is a good one that we've used. And this way, you can plot your cholesterol level over over time. So maybe at the time your doctor did your blood levels, you know, that could have been an, an indication. Uh, is your blood pressure very low as well, Michelle? No, it's, it's perfect. It's 120 over 72 usually. And do you have an understanding of what your blood sugar levels are? I've never been told that they're out of normal. And would you say that your diet is healthy? I'm a vegetarian. You're vegetarian, Uh, okay. Yeah, the only thing is over the last three years, I've dramatically increased my sugar intake, which is really unusual for me. And my doctor suggested maybe I was trying to get energy anywhere I could. I don't know. That's very, very common, especially when you have a low DHEA levels. Well, those are a an indication of your adrenal hormones. It's a, it's a, it's a marker that we can see what your adrenal output is. Uh, This is something when you are a vegetarian, it's important that you, there are certain nutrients that are missing from meat. Uh, Do you eat fish, Michelle? A little bit. Not much. No, you're going to have to spend some time making sure you get those macronutrients because it's really important to get those fats into your diet, avocado is is a good source. Unfortunately, some many times oily fishes 
give the omega-3s that are very critical to the, to vegetarians and also the B vitamins, the B12s. It's very, very difficult to get these from a vegetarian diet. And many times vegetarian diets are very high in carbohydrates. And sometimes this can be very stressful for the body and very inflammatory. And the cravings for sugar is is really very important that you stay away from the sugar. The sugar is something that's going to be very detrimental to your adrenals and be able to make your it difficult for your cortisol levels to go to normal. So if any way, shape, or form, I think that would be your first step is to stay away from the sugar. Prenuphase is a product that we had developed with our one of our colleagues, Dr. James Laval, and it's on our website that can be able to help people get off the cravings for sugar. So I think it's something that you may want to uh, this be the first step that you should should do and also put a little bit of I think a little licorice extract is very helpful for for many uh, patients for their adrenals. But vitamin C and magnesium is some is the foods for the adrenal glands, and also affects sometimes people with stress as well. So I've given you a lot of information, Michelle. You can always text us at five one two two one nine zero seven two four if I can help you with some follow up. But a little bit of DHEA pregnenolone. DHEA, at least 5 to 10 milligrams a day with some pregnenolone, 10 milligrams a day, will be able to help you solve some of that low cortisol numbers. Michelle, I hope that's helpful for you. All right. Well, thank you very much for taking my call. I appreciate it. You're welcome anytime. Have You're a listening good night. to you too. Take care. Have a good week. You're listening to Healthy Choices XM. Text us anytime at our 512-219-0724. And you can also call us at 877-956-9566. We've got a few more minutes and we can still have time for, for your call. And as in summary, we talked about whether politics is making you sick or are you just sick of politics? And we feel very strongly that Tremendous amount of stress, whether it's from headlines or controversial topics, can cause the body to see it as a stressor, as as somebody chasing them. It doesn't really matter. It's still a stress response. We talked about cortisol and how the adrenal glands secrete these important hormones, adrenaline and cortisol, and too much cortisol a little different from what Michelle had, is something that you can be an out-of-control response that can be attributed to sleeping problems and can be attributed to blood pressure problems. And many times, over very, very stressful periods, the body stops producing these cholesterols. So your levels are very low. They're very, they're, they make, unfortunately, with these people, they have very uh, limited ability to handle any stress at all. They kind of like, shut down. So it's important that there's certain nutrients that are very critical to feeding the adrenal glands. And one of them is DHEA. From women, it's from 5 to 10 milligrams. For men, it'd be 25 milligrams. And also pregnenolone is another one that is very helpful for the adrenal glands. Simple magnesium, anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams a day. 
and vitamin C. Score a good source of vitamin C at any thousand to anywhere from a thousand to two thousand milligrams a, a day is also very helpful. And so those are the two key things. And also for people that are suffering from the stress, just back off on that caffeine. If one cup of coffee can have over two hundred milligrams of caffeine. You're listening to Healthy Choices XM and check out our website, Healthy Choices XM for our features on our male energy formula. We have a great special for all of our listeners. It's something we developed ourselves, and I think you'll find it be very helpful to increase for males and females and be able to withstand some of the stressors of the week. You can text us anytime during the week at 512-219-0724. We're back here next week with a great show talking more about integrative medicine with Dr. Gazagoli and Cheryl Burdett. So we'll see you next week at Healthy Choices XM. 